Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekend Kickoff. It is week three for Letterman Row, brought to you by Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems. We're here at Urban Meyer's Pint House, and it's October. It feels like football. The Buckeyes have the pads on. What could be better than that? Zach Bourne, Anthony Schlegel, Cardell Jones. we got more Buckeyes in reserve coming in. The guy whose name is on this building in Urban Meyer's Pint House, not with us tonight. We gave him the weekend off. He's not going to be here every week, but we still got plenty to break down without him, don't we, boys? Yep, absolutely. Zach, the pads are on. The pads are on, man. How exciting is that, right? It's the best. I mean, this is what we wait for. This is for, what Cardell it? loves. He I, loves the pads. He does. You can it's feel it in the contact. air. It's, uh, yeah, man, this is football season. Yeah, I, I didn't know if it was ever going to get here where we'd be talking about it. We, you, know, you were in a couple of weeks ago at Letterman Live, Zach, and we're like, man, did, was there belief that football would happen? Uh, and then the next step was getting a schedule. And then after that, you got to hit somebody. And I know that you two guys in the middle, that's your favorite thing to do in the world. That's what we love to do, right? I mean, those guys have been in uh, jerseys and spiders for a while. And so Schlegs and I, that's not our game. That's when you're having to run around guys in space, and uh, we don't do that very well. But, um, yeah, it's exciting. You know, a couple weeks ago, who, who would have thought that we were here, right? We were trying to be as positive as possible. Obviously, <laughs> within the show, we're, you know, former Buckeyes. We're Buckeye fans. We want to watch football. And uh, we're skeptical, but now, you know, the, the guys, at least they have an answer. They know uh, the path to the first game. They're starting to take those first steps in training camp. And obviously this year has been a little unorthodox, but um, I know those guys are excited in the facility, man. Like Cardell and, and Schlegs will tell you, once, the, uh, once training camp happens and, you know, kind of the doors are closed to the Woody Hayes and you go in lockdown mode, it's fun. Yeah, here's the thing. When you put the pads on, guys like me and Zach have to have the pads because – Everybody can be an All-American in shorts yep. and a helmet. But football is played with pads. It's a contact sport. It's a collision sport because you have pads on, which is the game that I like to play, the physicality of it. Now, you can't hit a guy like Cardell Jones because he has the ball in his hand and he's valuable. But <laughs> that being said, being able to strike a dude in the chest and make a play on an inside drill and hit a Master Teague or a Trey Sermon, like that's what we like to do, and that's like, oh, that's why that guy starts and that guy doesn't, right? Because he's physical, and that's what they're trying to build now. They've already started doing the testing. That was the big thing on September 30th, right? They had the daily uh, testing. They had the antigen testing, everything that was put in, put in place by the, the medical committee mm -hmm. ran by Dr. Borches. That's all in effect, so guys don't have to worry about that anymore. They can just go worry about getting better for that first game versus Nebraska on the 24th, Cardell. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the main points of this upcoming – can you guys hear me well? I can hear no. you, but you're sitting right next to me. <laughs> oh, okay. Can you guys hear me down there? I can hear yeah. you. Okay, perfect. There he is. I think one of the most main points of this whole camp is going to be protect the team. A lot of guys, like you just said, are going to be excited because the pass are finally out. Usually these guys are having passes in the office and things like that and getting ready to play, but – you got to control them emotions, especially some defensive guys, and don't run into Justin Fields or, or freaking roll an ankle, things like that. But it's that thin line. You got to protect the team, but you still got to get that pop in and get ready for the first game of the season. Yeah, the, the only thing that's weird about this year, Cardell's right. You know, there's definitely some guys that are protected, like a Justin Fields, maybe a Chris Alave, guys like that that are untouchable, right? But at the same time, they didn't have spring ball, right? So when Schlegs is talking about inside drill for the first time, you know, that first time when you don't have a mouthpiece in and you get hit the wrong way and you got a little <laughs> blood and you can taste the, the iron in your mouth, right, from the blood coming down an inside drill, there's nothing like that. And they didn't have spring ball. 
right? And so it takes you a little bit, takes you a couple practices to, you know, especially in the middle, taking on offensive linemen, striking them in the chest, right? Feeling those hits and, and be able to keep your head up and not be so top heavy. It takes a couple practices to feel that. So I guarantee you these first couple days, they're getting after it. They're getting those guys used to hitting one another. And then as camp goes on, they'll start to taper off getting into the season. And, and, and uh, I heard Coach Day talk about this. He's, he takes more of an NFL approach, I would say, than what we did back in the Trestle area. And, and I would also say the beginning of Coach Meyer's era. And yeah, that wasn't an NFL approach. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a contact. Because the only way that you can get football tough is by playing really physical football. But what they're doing is – Instead of the old-school Oklahoma drills that you have, they've shortened the gap, right? There's not guys with a full-speed, you know, 10-yard. Like, back in the day when I played there, it was like a guy lined up, a fullback lined up 10 yards away from me, and you had literally two yards, and if you went outside there, you were soft, right? So we would just basically sprint at each other 10 yards and hit each other. <laughs> that, that's how concussions happen. That's how guys are out in a concussion protocol. They don't do that anymore. Everything is very close quarters. And also, you got to get into football shape. Football shape is being able to, right, train your neck, be able to hold that helmet, be able to bend and play in space in pads. There's only one way that you can do that, and that's doing it in full pads, all gas, no brakes. All right, let's see if 12's alive down there. Did, did they ever take that black jersey off of you, Cardale, non-contact? Uh, I had the black jersey on, but they didn't respect it until probably about, you know, the halfway of my third season, my fourth season. And Zach, you know, it was sometimes I was running scout team, and he probably had a, a clear shot at me, but probably, you know, made a, a took it easy on me a little bit. But for them guys that's not a, a huge as a factor early on in their careers, it used to uh, hit them past in practice. All right, we'll get 12 a better microphone down there. I, I, that was a great story. I wish that other people could hear it. It was a great story. Basically what he said was <laughs> when Cardell was there, he went against scout team against me, and there were times where we had a little bit of fun, and he was throwing the ball 60 yards down the field, you know, kicking our you-know-whats for touchdowns. But there were a couple times we got a couple shots in and on him, you know. All right, we'll give him a, a couple minutes to get that straightened out. This pizza is legit. <laughs> Along with this silver bullet. Is that better? If no, the mountains are blue, it's for you. Let's go. Get everybody one. Let me try some of that pizza, Slagle. All right, it's amazing. Here you go. I'm going to give you a centerpiece. Hey, give him a lot of pepperonis. Yeah. Give him oh, some of that sure. Coors Light, too. Uh, another sure. proud sponsor of weekend kickoff. So the mountains are still blue, as you said. Another uh, reminder as well that your Central Ohio Bryant heating and cooling dealers are dedicated to supporting our local community through partnerships with nonprofits like The Bridge. Their mission is to help first responders deal with stress and traumatic events that have become a regular part of what they go through while protecting us. Your local Bryant dealers are doing whatever it takes to keep our community strong. If you'd like to learn how you can help and make a difference, go to firstrespondersbridge.org. Schlegs, I think you know a thing or two about that group. Yeah, absolutely, and we're going to talk about it at the end. But I'm proud to support the First Responders Bridge. One, it's a special person uh, to be a first responder, and we really don't think – they're serving us, but how do they get served? And so part of this first responders bridge is the mental health well-being of our first responders and their marriages. It, it takes a, a toll on their entire family, not just them. So if they can get the help, and there's a lot of issues um, in those different departments about seeking out that help and still being able to do your job at a high level. And this group is just so passionate about finding ways that we can help them mentally, physically, and spiritually so that they can perform their job at the, at the highest level. Yeah, it's great that we have them out here as well. Always uh, throw our support behind anybody helping out in this community. Zach, to get you know, back to football and back to hitting, 
You know, Ohio State hadn't done that since the Fiesta Bowl. It's hard to believe yeah. when we're talking about October 1st and other teams that have been playing now for you know, almost a month that Ohio State, you know, you said it, helmets and spider pads, that's not what football is. Right. Coach Hartline, you know, he compared it to just basketball. Well, that's not yep. what you need. So if you're trying to get the rust off, you're trying to play linebacker, how long do you really think that you need? And, and is three weeks now, three and a half weeks till Nebraska comes to town, is that going to be enough? Yeah, for sure. I think Schlegs can back me up. I think you need three solid days, right? And I, I don't mean going out there running, running around in pads. I mean three days of inside drill, full contact, one versus ones, get it going, right? I mean, it, as Schlegs like to say, all gas, no brakes, right? For three <laughs> days, that's what you need. And so, you know, we've been talking about this all the time. When can Ohio State football come back? We were talking about it when the Big Ten. And I've said all along, you need three weeks. As a player, you need three weeks. One week of really tough grinding, hitting, doing the full scope of football, right? Getting back into the football shape, right? And everyone thinks, you know, all the conditioning they do all off season, yes, it gets you in shape, but there's a difference between going out and running half gassers on the field in the winter or during the summer or wearing full pads and shoulder pads and having a 12-play drive, right? And so this week, I guarantee you it's what they're doing. They're doing a lot of inside drill, doing a lot of contact. You know, the ones are you know, during, during the season, during practice, they'll have five or six play scripts where you go five or six plays straight, then you're off the field, right? Well, I guarantee you they're doing 10, 12 play scripts this week. They're getting guys tired, getting, you know, grinding them down. And then the next week, you know, week two, you kind of the first half still have a little bit of grinded down. Then you start to build them up. And then week three, you kind of get into that practice schedule where, you know, you're on a normal script. You're doing normal things. You'll hit Tuesday, kind of uh, form fit the rest of the week. Um, but those guys, I mean th- – those guys are grown men, right? I mean, when, you, when you're at a place like Ohio State, you're not at your favorite place, Rutgers, right? You're at Ohio <laughs> State. You come here, you've been training all offseason, three days. Th- by the end of this week, those guys are going to go out, feel like they can play a football game. Rutgers might not ever put the pads on, Zach. They that's, might not. And that's fine. Be like, Navy. be like Navy's first game. I'll, I'll say this. I remember uh, just practicing. I would dislocate both of my thumbs all the time. And so I would put like a little insert inside my glove so I couldn't bend my thumbs all the way back. And I also had, like, broken fingers and stuff, and I'd tape them up. But it's really the open field tackling. It's the ability to bend in space with your full pads on versus guys that run 4-4-4-5 and be able to go make those tackles. How can you have confidence that I can go out there and cover a tight end or cover a three trying to do a jerk right over the middle if I don't ever see it live to be potentially get him to the ground? Like, those are things that you cannot replicate on air. It has to be done full speed. And there's only one way, like, like Zach said, he said it best, running a half gas or running 20-yard sprints, running 50s, don't equate to football conditioning. The game is played in space, pace, space, and angles, and being able to bend your knees in that space. So that's why you're seeing in the NFL early on in the season a lot of the soft tissue injuries, the growings, right? The I like to say growings, but growing. <laughs> the, the hamstring injuries, unless you're doing that full speed with pads, you're not going to be in shape, ready to go week one versus Nebraska. I know you guys are you guys are highlighting a lot of in shape players as far as on the defensive side of the ball. You got to understand as well, getting ready for football. One thing you can't account for when it comes to getting in shape is the two hits you're going to take. The one from the <laughs> defender and then the ground. It's different getting up every play and having to run full speed again and again and again and again. Even if you just fall down, let alone someone falling on top of you. Yeah. So it's also a thin line for the offense if they say, you, you know, we've been running gashes and all this stuff all year round, but you, you add another element to the game and to that. The biggest element to me of the game is the physical aspect of, of getting hit and getting back up. So, Cardale, how does a 
quarterback then? How does Justin Fields this year, when he's not going to be hit and he hasn't been hit since the end of December, you know, you've been through this. How does he prepare himself for hit number one when you don't have any of that in October yet? The Cardell treatment. Blue Gatorade <laughs> on the sideline, baby. <laughs> Man, you, you, you put your trust in your guys up front and hopefully you don't take too many of them big hits. But he's going he's gonna to get hit at some point. you got, you got to be smart. Uh, definitely – one thing I would love to see from Justin this year is the ability to protect himself, not protect the ball because he does an unbelievable job of protecting the football already, but protect himself, not taking them unnecessary hits, not wanting to be the aggressive all the time, getting that one extra yard and throwing your body, but getting down and getting out of bounds because his body, his the longevity, just like Slago just said, you're going to see, I think, a lot of those soft tissue injuries in college football as well because of the – the unbelievable time period they had off since the last time they ran around and competed at a high level. So just he had to think about not just him as well, but the whole team had to think about the longevity of themselves and the team to put themselves in position to be able to compete in November, well, December, yep. for a Big Ten championship. And, and, and I think Cardell will back me up on this. From a standpoint of Justin Fields running the football, right? Cardell ran the football. JT Barrett was a big runner of the football. Yep. You see those guys early on in the year maybe run out of bounds. Those guys maybe slide. Those guys maybe not take the hits as much. And then as the season progresses and your body starts getting used to, to those hits and getting exactly. more in football shape, that's when you see Cardell Jones trucking a dude from Alabama, right? And, exactly. and Lauren is right and Lauren is short. That's when you see JT Barrett go out and get the team up north and have 15 to 20 carries, right? And lowering his shoulder. So those guys, as the years goes on, even it, even if you're a quarterback, you will see them progress and, and be more apt to try and get the extra yards later in the year. But then again, I mean, the games mean more later on in the year, right? But this year is a little bit different. So I'm actually, you know, you're not playing Florida Atlantic last yeah. year, right? You're playing Nebraska. So. We'll see how, how Justin Fields kind of starts a season because it's completely different than a normal season. And yeah. I would add this, too. This year, unlike any other year, the depth of the team is going to be so important. One, because of COVID and the protocols in the Big, in the Big Ten are being 21 days out. Two, different injuries. Yeah. Knicks, soft tissue injury. One, it's why it's so important for Justin Fields to protect himself right now during camp. Mm -hmm. Two, it's so important for the coaches to develop all guys. And then you look at that wide receiver room tons of depth you look at the offensive line a lot of studs really where is the depth there secondary same thing so you got to get everybody up to speed the linebacker room has a lot of depth the d-line has a lot of depth those areas that don't you really got to ramp guys up because you never know what's going to happen from covid to also physical injuries to also soft tissue injuries so all those things are really going to play an important role and it's why this time is so necessary for these coaches to be able to have their hands on the kids to be able to go out there and execute the game plans Zach and Cardale, it's interesting that you talk about you know, the running and the hits that Justin Fields will take. And you know, Cardale, since, since Urban wasn't here, the, the question of the coach got shifted to you. The buyer's auto question for Cardale. All right, in. I like and it. It yeah. works out go. pretty much perfectly because the, the first one you got I thought was fascinating, and I'm not sure how much time we really have to break it all down. Break it down. But the, you know, <laughs> they, they wanted to know, you know how a quarterback decides when is the time to run. Huh. And um, are you working through a progression? Do you have to get to a certain point before you go? When does the quarterback know? It's, you got that mental clock inside your head, and then you also feel the bodies around you. Sometimes you feel some ghosts and stuff that ain't really there. <laughs> but I, I think when the time to run is, is when it's necessary. 
you know, when, you're, when your team needs that extra three to four yards and going back to um, Zach's point of, of when to lower the body and, and lowering your shoulder and trying to run through a guy to get that extra yard or two maybe. But it, it just depends on situation. So each and every play, before the play, you look to the sideline, you look, you know the down and distance, and you know in your point, in your head as you're getting the signals, you're getting the play, okay, my first read in here, my second read in there, and my back getting tied up, okay, I know how fast I'm able to get out. But if I know I got that blitz coming, I lost my check down, I become the check down. Mm -hmm. So now in the normal progression, maybe you go one or two down to your back as your three. Now you you having a feel for the protection and the blitz knowing he's gone. Now you become that check down. I, I've got a long-winded response to this. I love let, it. Let me have a minute. <laughs> go you ahead. Know, you know me, Slags. I like to talk. I'll just eat a pizza pizza. There you go. So, you <laughs> know. Sip on this Coors Light. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, everyone, one of the most question, one of the most commonly asked questions I get as a former player is, what's it like to play in the horseshoe, right? And I tell everyone, you, you kind of black out. It's like you're playing a high school football game, right? It's like you are, you've got tunnel vision on the game that you don't realize the 110,000 around you, right? Like you are so glued in from a game plan, from everything that's going on in front of you on the field. Like that's all you feel. You, you've got the 21 other guys on the field around you, right? And so it goes back to what Cardell was saying. You feel it, right? And so when you're in that moment, you kind of you, you're so zoned in that even during practice, everyone thinks you know Ohio State. If you were past the Woody Hayes on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those guys aren't just running plays. We're not just <laughs> going through the motions, right? What people don't realize is certain practices you're you're working different things, right? So there'll be practices where you're working third down, right? It could be third and short one period, third and medium, third and long, and so you know. The quarterbacks are running through these scenarios as a defense, right? When you get to, exactly. to middle linebacker, you're working down a distance. During practice, that's when you communicate the most. Hey, down a distance, second and eight. What does Nebraska like to do? What's their top three plays on second and eight? Those things start going through your head. And so when you're a quarterback during that time, you realize, hey, you may throw the ball in practice so you're not going to run, but you come back and the offense coordinator or quarterback coach is sitting there and say, hey, game time I'm running right there right you saw the opening third and three go get it right and so you're go, going over those situations in practice whereas when it comes game time it's easy because you're so focused and everything's already in your brain and unlike any other year there's no fans and so what what Zach was articulating as a Mike linebacker let's say we're playing man and it's third and five well whoever that low hole player is that's not on a guy because normally there's three guys, especially as a linebacker, there's three guys on two running backs, right? It might be, I mean, it might be a tight end and a running back. It doesn't matter how it is, but it's three on two. I'm talking about from the interior. Mm -hmm. Well, that rat player is also responsible for the quarterback. Yep. And so we, just like he's looking at, hey, I got to get a first down, we're also thinking, hey, listen, if I'm the rat hole player and I see that guy flare, the will has him, the Sam has him, I'm responsible for the quarterback now. So I'm not going to get depth and really push to a guy. I'm going to be spying this guy, especially if he's a dual-threat type quarterback. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of this year is you're going you're gonna to have the D.C. And, the, and Al Washington, the linebacker coach, going, hey, tough, you're the spy. Like, yeah. They can hear you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, because there's no fans in the stands. Yeah. So everybody's going to be communicating. I can't wait. It's going to be hysterical. But, uh, but that's, that's why yeah. you practice these situations. That's why you have to know down and distance, field position, what half. Who is the personnel? Who do I need to give help to? And the, the D coordinators are doing the same thing. You know, it's funny Schlegs brings that up because, like, as my Mike linebacker, you know, during a game, there's, it's so loud out there. And people might see the, you know, Mike linebacker, Tough Borland, you know, going around making hand signals. He's yelling at the same time, right? People are, are need to realize that. He is yelling, right? I remember I, 
I went over to Mike Linebacker. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, and Ryan Shazier, who's playing right next to me, can't even hear me, right? I'd leave the game and not have a voice, and, <laughs> man, it, I'd drink about 30 Coors Lights on a Saturday <laughs> night after a victory and had a voice the next morning. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> great way to That's <laughs> bumpy. I don't, that, that, <laughs> that's how you – Zach Bourne recovered right there, yeah. folks. That's, that's 30, 30 Coors Lights. That's some bonus insight there on the buyer's yeah. auto. It wasn't the question for Coach, but the Buckeyes handled that, I think, perfectly. We're going to give them a break to go grab some more Coors Lights, rest the vocal cords. The linebackers are going to be back a little bit later on, but we're going to change out in the middle. Cardale, stick with us. Robert Landers and Michael Bennett coming on as we roll along for the weekend kickoff. Brought to you by Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems. It takes attention to detail. With your local Bryant dealer, you're getting more than just a technician. You're getting someone who pays attention to your needs and the little things that make a big difference. It takes a dealer you can rely on. And to keep your family warm this winter, here, let me show you how this works. It takes Bryant. Bryant. Whatever it takes. And to keep your family comfortable, it takes Sears Heating and Cooling. Find them at SearsHeatingCooling.com. All right, welcome back to uh, Weekend Kickoff. I, I'm a little hot. I apologize for that. Just, that's just my voice. It <laughs> always sounds metallic. Uh, this is Weekend Kickoff brought to you by Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems. It rolls along. We made a, a, a change here in the middle. We needed some more defensive tackles, so had to change it up from linebacker. Now we wanted to stop the run with, with these guys up front, Michael Bennett and Robert Landers back again. Cardale's still down there to uh, – I mean, he – I think you, you played probably defensive tackle well, back when you were little, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of – I'm shining away because you guys are putting all these defensive guys around me. Collapsing giving me the flashbacks. Uh, kind of giving me flashbacks from practice. Well, okay. I saw a tight end wandering around here. Maybe we'll get him on to give you some cover. <laughs> sure. I'm playing Jake back there, so let's see. All right, boys. So, if we're talking – you got two linemen. We know what Ohio State needs to get done. Uh, Larry Johnson, BB, if you guys think back to your training camps or your time working with Larry Johnson – you know, it, this might be the position where I said this the other day, you can't call it weak because Tommy Togia is the strongest player on the team. <laughs> but there's maybe not as much depth as when you guys were coming through. So how, was, how will Coach Jay get them right? How can this group make sure that they're at that uh, Rushman level? Um, I'm not going to lie to you. you. I can't agree with that. Coach Johnson, one you don't thing, have to. One thing about that man is he's always going to find a way. Yeah. They got the depth. Some of the depth we just don't see right now. I'm going to say this. We just don't know yet. Sure. Their, their names are really not out there as much. But, um, you know, one thing about Coach Jay is, number one, he always has a plan. No matter what the situations, what the trial and tribulations that they're going through, whether as a unit or as a team, he always has a plan. They're going to have the depth. They're going to have the players that are ready because it's not an option. Being ready is not an option. You know what I mean? And one thing that he really harps on, and even Coach Meyer used to harp on back when, when I played was you can only get two types of reps, game reps and mental reps. Mm -hmm. Mental reps for Coach Johnson, just like he watches and critiques our first step in our hands, he critiques who's in the background taking the steps, who's right. in the background going through the play. So he's going to have those boys ready, and he's going to find a way to have depth to where we're rotating two to three guys in every position all the way across the board. Michael, you went from – you know, Coach Vrabel, I mean, I know you've had other position coaches throughout your career, mm -hmm. but you were there when Coach Jay came in, right? Yeah. I mean, what was that transition like? Uh, I, I mean, Coach Vrabel and Coach Johnson are two very, <laughs> very different people. Um, Coach, I mean, they, they're both incredible coaches. I loved Coach Vrabel. His approach was, it was, his approach was a 15-year NFL vet, so he's, he's a little bit more brash. He's a little bit more aggressive. And Coach Johnson's like 
I mean, he's a, you know, he's a church choir kind of guy. He just, he's uplifting. He's a father figure. He's all that kind of stuff. Um, it was really refreshing to have Coach Johnson <laughs> lead you because that man was – I mean, he just – he's so good at what he does, but at the same time, he never puts a player down. If you're not good enough, he'll, he will tell you you're not good enough, but then he'll try to give you the tools to be better. And what BB was talking about, I, I want to give an example. How many people knew who Tyquan Smith was or who Sam Hubbard was or who Jalen Holmes were before that they had their incredible senior years and now all three are playing in the NFL? Mm -hmm. I went back and watched one of their mat drills this um, past winter, and I looked at a bunch of guys whose names I didn't know, and I was blown away by how well-built they were, how good of leadership they had, how much they held each other accountable, how hard they worked. There's no, I don't think there should ever be a worry about the D-line. These guys that are coming out now have been overshadowed by the, by the Chase Youngs and by just uh, the Hamiltons and all these other guys who are going to the NFL. They're going to make their own name this year. Yeah. When you talk about brash between Vrabel and Johnson, I think that's really underselling it. Like, the language <laughs> is, Coach, is Coach Vrabel can't different. go three words without cursing. <laughs> yeah. Coach Johnson has never cursed in his life. I th when I found out that the worst he would say or that his curse word was Santa Claus. Santa Claus. <laughs> I, oh my I God. almost couldn't believe it. We were, at, we were at a bowl game, I think, and it was around Christmas, and I thought, well, then maybe that's just a funny story. Like That's what he's saying right now. 365 days a year, Santa he Claus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can say this, though. If you hear Santa Claus, you know it's going to be yeah, a you gotta long, look out. long day. <laughs> Individual period, it's going to be awful. It's not about what he says. It's how he says it. Hey, that's right. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've, we've covered that defensive line. Cardale, we've got to get you back involved here. When we're talking about training camp, and, and we know what you could bring to, to the quarterback position and talk about Justin Fields, but you already did that. If you're breaking down this roster, then what question do you want to have answered between now and October 24th? Honestly, I think um, the, my major question to the offense is, not just the offense, the team, is, um, is really going to show what you guys have been doing during this down period. If you really guys were taking the steps to really believe that it's going to be a season and really how fast you hit the ground running because that's going to be a key. It's not going to be one of them seasons where one game slip up in the beginning is not going to hurt you. It, it is. Mm -hmm. This is not, you know, you hear the phrase, and, and Mike can attest to this one, we lost the first game, home opener versus Virginia Tech. Uh, one of the main things that everybody's going to say, especially this, earlier in the season, oh, it's a long season. It's a long season. This is not a long season. You know, we don't have time for slip-ups. And if we do have a slip-up, hopefully it don't hurt us in a way that's going to bite us in the butt, you know, late December. So my thing, my, my test and my question to the whole team is, how do we avoid that slip-up? And can we? Yeah. Because, BB, that, we talked about it last week sitting there right there. Is week two is Penn State. Uh, I'm not trying to overlook Nebraska in any way, shape, or form, but, I mean, that's the that's one that Ohio State has to be ready for. And if you're talking about a team that needs to be ready early on, you guys know it better than me. You might not have everything that you're going to do throughout the course of the year by week two in. Right. Remember exactly. you guys talked about, you know, Michael, when you guys went through that loss, it was like, all right, well, they threw some stuff at you that you weren't ready for because it's still early in the year and you can get creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think um, don't mean to cut you off, Mike, but those adjustments in a in a pregame, it's no such thing as oh, we a regroup next week. Yeah, is having those regroupments for that opponent or for that scheme right then and there, and, and attacking that and, and getting the ball back rolling. I think one of the biggest things is it's going to come down to the culture, you know. And 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 Dale can I can say this? Dale can attest to this because I was there when Dale was there. You're going to play the game. In practice, yeah, and there has been plenty of times, even during throughout my course of college, where practice was ten times harder than the games because 
you over prepare so much and the 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 culture is so established that practices are played at such a high pace that when you get to the game sometimes you're kind of bored right yeah. you know what i mean but that just comes with the preparation and i think the biggest thing is going to be you know once you get out of game one from week one because you got to focus on week to week you can't worry about week two before focusing on week one mm -hmm. it's like in practice you can't worry about rep two unless you don't get through rep one you know what i mean so i think week one is going to definitely kind of show just that not only the team but the 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 coaching staff where we are where they will be as a whole and going into week two what we need to polish up and they're definitely going to play Penn State four times that week I can promise you that <laughs> for sure I can't believe that I'm hearing this that you guys might actually get bored by beating Rutgers by seven <laughs> <laughs> well we only play a quarter and a half, quarter and a half so yeah. we did yeah. too that's the bad part we cussed out all week to only play one quarter it's awful <laughs> I thought it was just us that had to watch it and cover it that got bored by watching Rutgers, but you guys don't don't like being out there for the second half of a 60-point hey, game? don't get me wrong. It's fun to whip up on a team. But, I mean, like he was saying, the competition we go against every day in practice, it's on a different level. I, you, there are only a couple teams within the Big Ten that are going to really rival even our second team um, offense or defense. So that's the whole point. You want your practices to be harder than the games. And these smaller schools that can't, they can't do that. There's not going to be a practice that's harder than playing Ohio State. Right. And we have the luxury of playing people who are better than a lot of these other schools. So when we get to these teams, you know, we go and do our jobs as the starters, and then the other guys come in, and they get an opportunity to prove themselves and refine their techniques. Yeah, so, Mike, you wasn't here last week, but I, I mentioned that about running a scout team. I said, well, shoot, I had, I was, had the hardest job, you know, in the country because yeah. I was going against the <laughs> best We were going every day. <laughs> yeah, I was, I You was weren't a protected quarterback. No. No, no, like I was like, just, uh, just to piggyback on what you said, like, you're going at it every day. And I was mm -hmm. going against the best defense every single day. Vice versa. Them guys, them younger guys are going against the best offense every single day. So, mm -hmm. so Billy Price and Taylor Decker. <laughs> <laughs> the worst beatbox in my life. When I was a freshman, I hey, could not figure it out. Made you better. Oh, well, my God. Well, and that, that sort of brings me to what I wanted to talk about, B, because, you know, it's normally August for you guys. We're training camp, and you're doing this competition every day. There's no, no reward in sight on Saturday. Payday, as you guys have always called it. Um, you know, training camp, when you're – when you have such a high-level competition every day, day in, day out, for three weeks, and that probably sticks with you forever. Like, what are your favorite memories of training camp when that, that person across from you is so talented, and, and how, how old does that get? That question within itself is contradicting because there ain't no such <laughs> favorite thing memory. favorite memory <laughs> okay. training camp. But I, I'll say this. Most memorable. I can tell you my most memorable is this, and – now that I'm kind of older and I, you know, I went through my career and, and I excelled the way that I did, like I just said, my freshman camp, I was playing a little bit of three-tech, and I will never forget it. B-block after B-block after B-block from Billy Price <laughs> and Taylor Decker. And it's so bad because, like, as a D-lineman, sometimes coaches tell you, if you can't get any movement, make a pile. Mm -hmm. Drop to the ground. Well, when Billy Price gets his forearm in your chest, there is no dropping. <laughs> and I can say, like, I was humbled coming into college, but that right there, that experience within itself, honestly made me try to it, – it, it made me become a better player because I had to figure out who I was not only as a 
football player, but who I was going to be as an Ohio State football player. You know what I mean? So yeah. I had to grow up and I had to learn how to develop my game and figure out exactly what my game was to be successful in a program like Ohio State where you got walk-ons that honestly are D1 athletes. They just chose to come to Ohio State. You know what I mean? And it was just that that experience within itself honestly helped develop who I was as a football player in a Buckeye jersey. Mike, what do you got? You know, it might sound crazy, but I, I really don't have any favorite memories of camp. <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to – I'm racking my brain, and I'm trying to think, you know, what were those times where you look up, you're like, this is a lot of fun. And I, I didn't have too many of those. Well, it can also be a blur, right? I mean, the way that yeah. you guys had to go through it. Well, they were, they were 16, 18-hour days or something like that. <laughs> we were up by 5 a.m. We were in the facility, and you had an option to go back and take a nap or something halfway through the day, but – I mean, you don't have time for that. That's why they brought in the air mattresses. I don't know if everyone remembers that, but there was this whole thing where, like, oh, the Ohio State's taking care of the players. They bring in the air mattresses. We're there for 16 hours. Thank you. <laughs> but, I mean, it was – A very comfortable nap for a 300-pound defensive tackle on an air mattress. I never, I never was able to nap. I would just sit up and watch film just because – I don't know. I just wasn't able to sleep. I was too wired from the first practice and nervous about the second one. Um, but at the same time, I really – I didn't dislike camp. I thought it was such a good opportunity to get better and a good opportunity to go against the best. Um, and it was just fun to go against the best players because that was we were still doing ones versus ones during camp. Mm -hmm. So that was my opportunity to go against guys like Corey Lindsley and Jack Muhort. These all these other uh, and um, um, man, I'm blanking on his name. Played what? with him in Jacksonville. In Norwell. Andrew Andrew Norwell. Norwell. Yeah, <laughs> great opportunity to play against these great players, NFL players, and you know. That's where you get better. That's where you really try to make your name and convince other guys on the team that you're somebody worth following and somebody that's worth listening to. Um, so I, I always thought camp – and they, took, they did take care of us. They gave us plenty of meals. We had opportunities to recover, all that kind of stuff. It was just a good opportunity to – if you wanted to go to the NFL, if you wanted to prove yourself, you'd do it during an Ohio State football camp. Cardell, I know you're digging through the memory bank for your book. So, I, I'm, was there a training camp chapter somewhere in there? So you um, not, not so much. <laughs> Golly, right. I feel like I've been uh, Ohio State training camp and Mike knows like years ago. Years. But, uh, no, my, my favorite moment had to come in uh, the first day of pads of my second year. You know, Braxton was returning. Kenny was returning for a backup. But, you know, we just brought JT in. And it looks like it from the – and actually how it planned out, whoever won that battle was going to be the guy for the X amount of years right. to come after Braxton. And I think it was the first day of 11-on-11 pass, and I flipped the protection, and I threw like maybe a 10- or 15-yard pass to Devin. And I was so hyped because Coach Meyer acknowledged it. He was like <laughs> – you know, he looked back. You know, Coach Meyer – and guys don't know – when the offense is going, Coach Meyer is standing probably three yards behind the quarterback. <laughs> so he's like the 12th player on the field. He wanted to get as involved as possible. So I threw a pass. I flipped the protection. I threw the pass. And, and I'm walking back, you know, that my rep was up. And he looked over. And he tapped me on the rear and said, Cardell, nice. That's good stuff. You flipped the protection? I said, yeah. I said, yes, sir. He wouldn't worry about the pass. I'm like, he's like, that's some good stuff. And I was just remember walking back. I was like, he knows my name. <laughs> I was just walking back, jogging back. Like, oh, my God, he knows my name. <laughs> was on cloud nine until I got smacked probably the next couple of drives. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was definitely my favorite moment, though. Back then, he spent all that time with you guys on offense, in the offensive backfield, and later on, you had guys like BB. He had to go monitor the defense, make sure they were doing their job. Like, monitor what? <laughs> I love him. Monitor what? <laughs> Larry Johnson is the GOAT. He is, man. So, who else is going to get it done up front there, BB? You know the names. Um, You're playing Coy last week. 
You know everybody in that room. I do, but just like last week, it's for me personally, it's hard to fully say this because I haven't seen how camp is going for these guys. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's going to be one of those things where you got names like Jonathan Coopers, the Tommy Togias, the Haskell Garrett, the Zach Harrisons, who have already, and Tariq Smith, who have already gotten their feet wet that now, even though some of those guys that, that I named are young guys, they're not young anymore. Mm -hmm. You've played in a game. You've played in some big-time games. So you are considered to be an old head and you're a vet at a room. I think the biggest thing is just going to be how those young guys develop. You know what I mean? And it's going to be hard because, like I said, you didn't get a spring ball. And spring ball is where young guys, you prove yourself, and you slow the game down and you develop your game as a whole. For the older guys, it's where you kind of honing in on your craft and just becoming a perfectionist. Well, you don't get that opportunity. You know what I mean? And then you get to this point of the year where you kind of start somewhat of a training camp to where now there is no training camp to cycle right back to having training camp again. You know what I mean? So it's like it's this, it's this crazy roller coaster that a lot of these guys are going through that I think the biggest thing is going to be the young guys. I'm not worried so much about the older guys in the room because they know how to work. They know what it's supposed to look like and they know what they need to do. The young guys, so on the other hand, not so much. Right. You know what I mean? You get that experience during spring ball. They didn't get that. So now you got a lot of growing up to do in, in what I like to call your ignorant state to a game that you think you love. You know what I mean? So um, I think the biggest thing is going to be there's plenty of names you can speak, you can speak on. For me, I'm worried about the names of the young guys. Right. Who is going to step up and start their legacy? All right, well, it's time to actually put some specific names on the Bryant, uh, whatever it takes, players of the week from last week. Uh, for me, while you guys think about it, as we wind down here with this segment with you guys, I'll start it. No, because uh, I feel like oh, last, two week, got it? last two weeks you it? took okay. my guy. All right, last well, two I weeks you took my guy, I so I'm going to start on this one. All right, that's fair. You're going to go last. <laughs> I'll go last. <laughs> um, I'm a, Somebody I'm leave me my guy, all right? <laughs> I'm going to go with Jeff Okuda. Okay, Where you strong, going? Oh, come on. Where you going, strong honestly? Choice. I, I was going to take it good. But I got, <laughs> an, I, got <laughs> I got another one. I'll be all right. Okay, good. I'm with that. I'm going to go with Jeff Okuda, man. A guy like that to step up in the moment he did when the team was struggling. I mean, I think they were 0-2 at the point to help that team get its first win and happen to follow around a guy like um, DeAndre Hopkins and have six solo tackles. I think three was on him and another two fourth down stops in the backfield and the interception. You got to go with Jeff Okuda this week. And the other part about that too, Cardale, was that I thought it was it was crazy. Like after week one, I'm seeing these stories like, you know, papers up in Michigan saying, well, was Jeff Okuda as bad as he looked in week one? I'm like, well, he's a rookie and he's out there in a key role. Like, he's not going to be a finished product. Also, your team is terrible. Yeah. So I, I mean, you're going to blame Jeff <laughs> but, Okuda for that? But you, it, know, you know how it is in the NFL. It's like, yeah. especially I can only imagine with the media, you know, the media still hold grudges against Ohio State players being up at, you know, in Michigan yeah, now. So, you know, they want to hold them to a higher standard, which they is. And you clearly – to Jeff uh, Okuda's response on social media this week, I don't know if you guys follow him on social media. I think he said something like, "Something like, hey world, you know, keep that same energy." Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know he was talking about them. I know he was getting some bad publicity, but you know how it is when the team is losing. They blame the defense. They want the number one overall pick or or, or they first round pick to to produce more, even though you know his role is somewhat limited to what he can do to the success overall as a defense. But he's definitely on notice this week and uh, weeks to come. 
BB, you nailed that pick last week. I can't let this show go without it. You, you made us all look bad. <laughs> Silver bullet pick. Uh, cool Miami enough. over Jacksonville. You were you were the genius, man. So, I mean, you can give yourself the player of the week if you want, but what else you got? <laughs> now, I give myself the commentator of the week. All right, there it, the there it is. There it is. All right. Now, player of the week, I might have to give it to Jeff as well. Number one, me and Jeff, went, we, you know, we, we played together at Ohio State for quite a while. You know, we grind together. But it's one of those things to where – like Dale talked about, you know, week one, they were dogging him. Now, me as a former teammate of Jeff and knowing what he can do, it kind of, you know, I have my, my personal feelings about it because I know, like, it's with anybody. When you are senior from high school going into college, as a freshman, you're going to struggle. Right. Okay. Now, you're going from college to the league. It's another tempo. You're going to struggle. But guess what? As a rookie, he figured it out no matter what, three weeks? Three weeks, Three weeks, you figured it out. And you were able to compete at a high level and have positive production against one of the top wide receivers in the league. And at the rate that DeAndre Hopkins is going, could be one of the top wide receivers in NFL history. Right. You want to be honest. Let's just call it for what it is. That's pretty good. You know what I mean? Yep. So as a rookie, you come out and you perform play in and play out the way that he did for me, not just being biased because I love Jeff. He's little off the rails a little bit, but I love him to death. <laughs> but his performance and me seeing and knowing the work that he's put in to get to this point, he has to get player of the week for me. That's a good one. Michael, you, you said we never talk about the NFL on Mondays for Letterman Live at Rooster, so <laughs> now you're on the spot. Yeah, now you're on the spot. I'm going to choose my guy based off of one play I saw. I didn't even finish the game. Marshawn Lattimore. I'm pretty, he had a big fourth down stop in that game against Aaron. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is unbelievable. Yeah. I don't think you can blame anybody for losing to Aaron Rodgers and the, and the Green Bay Packers, but fourth down stop, a safety coming up to fill a big back and just blows somebody up and gets a good stop and keeps them in the game for a little while. They ended end up losing, but to see, I mean, for people that have been in the league and even in college football, when you see a safety come up and fill a gap like that, it's rare. And safeties don't like contact. <laughs> Corners don't like contact. It's, they don't want to do that job even though they have to. And to see him throw his body around, be able to control himself, pull the running back back, and, and hold him up long enough for another teammate to come in and stop him, I thought that was incredible. And, and to me, that I mean, Jeff Okuda definitely had an incredible week. But it was great to see a Buckeye do that, especially a safety. Mar Marshawn Lattimore has been making a name for himself. And, I mean, if you're a safety that goes and can make plays in the back end and make interceptions and break up passes, that's one thing. But to be able to do that and stop the run on fourth downs on big plays – my, my high school coach told me something that stayed with me forever. And it was big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. And I thought that was that encapsulated completely. And I think it's just kind of building on Marshawn Lattimore's resume. Must be that Cleveland background, right, Cardell? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Glenville finest, you know. <laughs> All right, so you guys left me. One of your former Rushmen, he made his first sack of the season last week. It didn't go for a win. It also didn't Sam. come in a loss. <laughs> Sam. Sam Hubbard and the oh Cincinnati guy, Bengals. Yeah. What, what a riveting tie last week with the Eagles. Uh, might see Sam Hubbard in here soon for a weekend kickoff, so I'm not just playing favorites or trying to woo him <laughs> down here, but he was always one of my favorites. And, is that, you know, like like both of you guys, that, that unit rotates so often that I don't feel like maybe he got as much attention as he deserved. I said that about, about you during the national championship season, and I mean it. Like, it's hard for some guys that aren't named Bosa or Chase Young to really get that shine, and, and it's, it's fun for me to see Sam Hubbard getting that done at the next level and maybe getting close to another contract. BB and I were talking about Sam. Yeah, when he were. came in, you could tell Sam was going to be a player. He had all the athleticism. He had the length. He had the quickness, the speed. He was smart. He had the technique. 
and to watch him go through his career and a lot I mean him and Jalen Holmes kind of ran a similar path Taekwon got a little bit no, more notoriety his senior year mm -hmm. but Sam and Jalen they kind of flew under the radar but both of them were stellar athletes and stellar football players I would say ever since their sophomore years they just they were trying to beat out Joey and they were trying to beat out Nick and they were trying to beat out you know Taekwon it was just you can only start so many players, so it's incredible to see, to see Sam doing well. That's one of my favorite guys. All right, we're going to uh, make another change here, take another break, uh, grab some more Coors Light. We're not even going to ask Cardale this week uh, about what's going on with Texas uh, <laughs> and his pick to win the Big 12. Oh, I'm, I'm actually going to the game. So. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got the Cotton Bowl this weekend. Good. All right, so, so he's got to get out of well, here. I'll be, well, I'm doing a show Thursday, but I'm Friday, I'm flying out. <laughs> Perfect. Nice, nice little teaser there. We're going to take another quick break here on Weekend Kickoff, brought to you by Bryant Heating Cooling Systems. All right, taking a, a very special break here on Weekend Kickoff with a, a, you know, a very important message here. Mike Pavolino joining us from First Responders Bridge, no Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems. They, they value this partnership with you guys more than any. For anybody who, who doesn't know, Mike, what, what First Responders Bridge is all about, how did the idea come about? What do you guys aim to do? Uh, First Responders Bridge was uh, originally born out of the murders of uh, Tony Morelli and Eric Joring back in uh, February of 18. Um, I was friends with them, worked with them, um, and my very best friend going all the way back to uh, seventh grade was Mick Yanger. Mm. And um, he's really, I, I, you know, i got to take a second here and give him a prop because he's the brains of this operation yep. and really gets the uh, things done in the, in the First Responders Bridge. But... Um, Right at the funeral or right after the funeral, obviously there was so much pain and suffering and everybody came together and there was tremendous support. But we had been to so many funerals over the years, um, we wanted to do something different and, and continue to care for the first responders. So we work with uh, police, fire, as well as dispatchers. And what we do is um, we have retreats, um, three-day retreats uh, that, uh, they, that they come in and they can speak to clinicians and peers to help them through some of the everyday um, stresses that they have to endure. And you've brought in this guy down here to help out as a board member, right, Anthony Schlegel? Yep. Schlegel, what is it about? You talked about them earlier in the show. But I did. Why? And why this one for you? Why do you want to be part of that group? Well, I mean, going to the Air Force Academy, one of the things that you learn is, so you know, uh, service before self, right? So it takes a very special person to be a servant and to say, hey, guess what? When everybody's running away from a fire, I'm going to run into a fire. It takes a, a very special person to, to be a police officer. And, and it takes a very special person to, to be a dispatcher, right? I mean, we're talking yeah. about jobs where there is no error. Just like we talk about in the NFL, like you got to go win at your job on a daily basis. So do these people because life and death is in the balance. Every time you make a stop or go ser serve somebody, like that is always there. You always have to be on your A game. There is no room for error. And then you go look at what they have to do when they have to go home. Like how do you leave that in the job, right? And so, and then where do you go with that? And people don't really know this, but just like in the NFL or playing college football, unless you do it, you don't understand the things that go with it. That's a good and, point. And when you, when you play in the NFL and you've been playing ball your entire life, and then all of a sudden you're done playing, the only people that really know you or how to guide you through that process is a former player. Mm -hmm. And so just like with the first responders, who can they reach out to to say, hey, I need to talk to somebody. 
I'm struggling with my marriage. I mean, the divorce rate is significantly high. There's a high suicide rate. Like, they're dealing with all of this stuff, yet while serving the community, who's helping them as they are helping everybody else? And that's why I support the First Responders Bridge, and it's why I think it's an absolute necessity to give this service to our men and women that serve us in our communities. Mike, how, who do you need to bring awareness to? Is it the people that you're trying to help here? Is you guys need more people to support? I'm sure it's a combination of both, but when you're trying to raise awareness, where is that? Where should that be going towards? Well, a couple things. There, and we need to raise the awareness internally as well as externally because we need to know that we're not in this battle by ourselves. And again, Anthony brought it up in regards to the dispatchers. That's a job I couldn't do. I, there's no way. Could you imagine? I mean, honestly, people don't think about that. Could you imagine hearing a call? Yeah. And then you're trying to find the help and the police officer and, and guide all of that. And then you hang up. You don't really and, necessarily and know. And then you got to, you heard all of it. And then you got to go take it home to your spouse and your children or whoever. And then you're on to the next one. And then you're on to the next one. Yeah. Like, think about that job. You know, Anthony, in, in, I think this is imperative to say that more police officers and firefighters commit suicide than all the line of duty deaths combined. Mm. Um, and, and that's just unacceptable. And, and that's where Mickey and I, and specifically Mickey, um, uh, has really brought this and, and he's done a tremendous job we've done a tremendous job you know we have um, have great people surrounding us on our team going back to the sports concept um, you surround yourself with good people and that make you look good and we've had uh, you know I could there's a list of uh, folks that have helped us with this um, and obviously our sponsors have been a big part of it to include Bryant heating and cooling when you so for anybody, you mentioned the website. If you're going to go there, if you want to help, firstrespondersbridge.org. What kind of help uh, you know, from the outside do you need there, Mike? Well, it, we have these three-day retreats, and we completely pay for everything. So we, people come in, other than their transportation to the retreat itself, everything is paid for. Their food, um, the, uh, the speakers, the clinicians. And these are not just people that we bring off the street. These are, 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 are very well-known um, professionals in the, in the top of their game uh, and, and, and can help people. Um, and we do this in Dublin. Uh, we're having a retreat coming up here in uh, October 23rd, 4th, and 5th. We're starting to take reservations for the next retreat in January. So if yeah, if they want to support us uh, financially, it would be a, a tremendous way to do it. And they can go to the firstrespondersbridge.org to do that. Um, and we, we truly appreciate all the support. And I, I do think, I have to say this, uh, there is a, a silent majority out there that is still um, backing the first responders. And, and we need to stick together. We're going to weather this storm and we're going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the first responders are the ones that are being called into action when you need them. And they need just as much support as anybody else, right? And there's a lot of there's a lot of things that that need to stop. Yep. And there's a lot of things that we need to continue to enhance. And the way, one way that you can continue to enhance first responders is helping them to work on their mental health to be able to go out and perform their duty that they want to perform mm -hmm. at a very elite level. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Because, and I know this, being 39, growing up, 
mental mental health was something that we didn't talk about. I had it in our family. I really didn't know about it. I actually thought it was a, a sign of weakness. Well, guess what? So do a lot of other first responders because the people that want to go do that are very like-minded as myself. Yeah. And so until That's you realize that you need help and it's not a weakness, but you also trust in the people that are trying to help you to allow you to go do your job and continue to serve these communities, I think it's imperative that we give them that type of support. Yeah, you got to help those people uh, to, so that you guys can help them. You can do that at First Responders Bridge. It's Mike Pavolino, uh, a great cause uh, aligned with Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems. We appreciate you guys coming out. Thank you uh, so much. We hope that, uh, that this shines a light for you guys and that you can keep building that, that group and people can get the help they need. Thank you. Thank you so much, both yep. of you. Thanks. Absolutely, brother. All right, Mike. Thanks, thanks again. Thanks, guys. We'll be right back uh, with the weekend kickoff for Letterman Row. All right, welcome back. <laughs> the outtakes from this episode of Weekend Kickoff brought to you by Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems are going to be well worth it. Yes. One more segment to go. We changed it back in. The linebackers are back, and now they're joined by Michael Bennett. So this is an all-silver bullet. Yes. All-silver bullet set, and yeah. all-silver bullets up here. We've got the new core seltzers out. I got one how, right here. How good are these, man? Yeah. Oh, this is an seltzer. I love it. I go on the golf course. I drink this. I go out by the pool. I drink this. I it's mean, only 120 calories. That's a yeah, big can phenomenal. for 120 well, calories. This one's, yeah. this one's only 90 down here for the little guys like me and Zach. Yeah. I go to oh, spinning got, class in the morning and I drink this. I mean, <laughs> it's Pilates. great. I deadlift 500 yeah. pounds for 10 and I, I'm drinking. It's like you're too old for that. Go to spinning no, it's class. Not. No, I sleep until. Listen, 10. anybody that goes to spinning class, you should also go deadlift and do heavy squats. It's nope. amazing. Posterior spin chain class. development. Spin class doesn't give you butts and hamstrings. I mean, yes, it does. No, it does you not. Can't, you can't speak ill of spin class. We're in Urban Meyer's Pint House, and Shelly's running that down. She is a spinner. That's no doubt. I mean, I understand that. I probably, you probably could get some hamstrings from that. Yeah, for But sure. if you want a there's butt, a listen, there's only one way to do it. We had, Squat. We had single leg deadlift. RDL. RDL. Single leg RDL. Yeah, that's okay. No, great. Strong, hey, just ask great. my wife back there, man. You know, I got to fill these jeans out some way, right? <laughs> Boom, inverse leg curls and heavy squats and deadlifts. That's how you get a butt. And a broken and, back. And a hamstring. No, my ba- I'm 39 years old. My back feels fantastic. Talk to me at 45. I will. I'll be yeah. deadlifting 700 pounds still by then. When Schlegs is talking about filling out his jeans, I know it's time to move on. Yes, so, it is. <laughs> so it Buckeyes. Is. All this stuff that we – All our Buckeyes right here. <laughs> when we were sitting here one week ago, the Pac-12 was finally approving the fact that they were going to play this year. Then the Mountain West joined, the Max in. Everybody's playing now. Everybody's in. So it feels almost like, I mean, even if it's six, seven games, uh, I think Mountain West is going to play eight. Pac-12 is not going to start till November. So they've still got another month to go from now. But if everybody's playing, and I know that they're not going to do this, but I think the answer across the board is going to be the same. Shouldn't the college football playoff move back one or two weeks to just to let let us have some possibility to play a full season? <laughs> Mike Bennett's in it. I know they're going to have really good points, so I got to get my, 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 my go Mike Bennett buzzes in <laughs> first. Mike, on you. No. No, okay. No. Uh, it's already too much time in between whatever your championship game is, game is to the next the next game. I mean, you don't need a whole month to prepare, prepare for a team. I remember every time we prepared – well, I guess we only had the playoff once, but – when we prepared, it was it was ridiculous. I mean, you got coaches who are trying to fill time, and they're outthinking themselves. Like you're just over preparing. You're running every possible iteration of their offense that they could come up with. It's just it's absurd. So I think it'll actually be a better product with two or three weeks rather than this abnor- this month long preparation. You don't need yeah. that long. You just you're gonna psych yourself. I think it goes back to your question of should they move it back? 
No, I don't because I think the Big Ten should be starting before they are, right? I mean, you know, you're looking at the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC all playing now, right? And they've got some weak buffers, and I, I think it's completely fine. The Big Ten should have started before October 24th. We all talked about October 17th weekend yep. with one bye week. In case something happens, they have a weak buffer. Um, that, no, they, I mean, they shouldn't push it back, right? And plus, it's not right to the guys that are playing in the Senior Bowl. It's not right to the guys that are going into the draft and only have so many weeks to get ready for the biggest job interview of their entire life, right? There, there are so many things that you start interfering with the farther you push this thing back. And it goes back to we don't even get started on spring, on the spring football, right, right, that they were throwing out there. It's like it's not fair to anyone, not fair to the players, not fair to guys coming back, not fair to the guys going to the NFL. So, no, it, it, this falls on the conference of – when you should start, you should be doing the best thing for the universities, for the student athletes at those universities within your conference. And obviously, the Big Ten said they're going to roll the dice and go eight weeks straight. Now nine weeks nine straight. Weeks straight. Yeah, yep. nine well, weeks straight. I'm so. gonna drop a nugget on you guys. Uh-oh. So here's the thing: just like the Big Ten should have done, and that's just press pause. The college football playoff doesn't have to make a decision to push it back because there's no need to, right? Right. Nobody knows how many games are going to be played, Yeah. right? We've seen it in the ACC. They've canceled games already. The SEC has have none, but they also started a little bit later. We just saw this week in the NFL, they're going to move a game and reschedule and reshuffle the deck a little bit. Yeah, my guy. My guy started the outbreak. Oh. <laughs> Bowen. Who? Shane. Bowen. Well, there you go, guys. You heard it. <laughs> Zach Bourne gave Shane Bowen COVID, and he's here at Urban's Pine House not wearing masks. Thank you, Zach, for that. But that being said, there's no reason to push it back until you need to push it back. Just like the Big Ten, there was no need to cancel until you needed to cancel. Yeah. You could have just pressed pause, gathered more intel, and because you're already searching for it, and you wouldn't look like a slapjake, right, in the manner in which they looked, you could have just said, oh, now we have the protocols. We're going to press pause. We have this, the, uh, the heart MRIs. We have the antigen testing. We have the rapid testing, daily testing. And here's the protocol we're going to do. Oh, by the way, because we've still been doing it, and guess what? It was not fluid like they said it was, but if you would have pressed pause, it would have been fluid. Oh, now we can start on October 10th or October 17th and been able to have four games, a bye week, four games, another bye week, and a championship to allow ourselves for an opportunity that if there was an outbreak, we could – move it to that particular bye week because everybody would have the same bye week and it would go on as planned. So until the the CFP has to move it back, there's no need to move it back. Don't outthink yourself, right? Just execute at a high level. It goes back to to what what Schlegs was just saying is that college campuses haven't taken a pause, right? You still have however many college students, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, all hanging around campus. It's not like those – however many students are, are playing college football, right? They don't care. They don't, they're getting around. They're, they're having fun. You know, the Delta Gamma sorority isn't shutting down, right? So they're still having fun. Party like a rock star. No doubt. So, I mean, you, I, it, it doesn't make sense. The Big Ten should have started. They should have had buffers, like Schleich said, four weeks. I gave week them a off, schedule, weeks. Zach. I, don't know why I know you did. I showed them the schedule. I gave them the pathway. The Solutions yeah. for <laughs> institutions. I was available. LLC. Yep. The difference. All right, so you guys, you guys won me over. I thought that, look, with all these what things did you starting think? so, I, I, I thought it would have made sense to, you know, if 
If these leagues can't help themselves to get on the same page, the only way that you can do that is with this college football playoff. It's the only thing that really unifies them. So sit down and say, you know what, here's an extra week. Here's what's going to help you. Yeah. Uh, here's what's going to help the Pac-12 get through it. And if the Big Ten, because they, they couldn't figure it out and they want this 20, 21 days you know, from September 30th and then play that weekend, you know, here you go. Here's the extra bye week that you weren't expecting. But I, I get it too because the other part that we're not even talking about here is that you still have to book venues. If the, if the Big Ten is going to play in Indianapolis on December yeah. 19th, then you, you kind of have to have that. You, don't, you might not be available the next week, yeah. which is going to be Christmas. Um, if you're going to play in the Rose Bowl, that's probably going to be available, but it's, right. it's January 1, and they don't like to move it. The Sugar Bowl might be the same deal. So there are lots of moving factors there, and I, you know, you guys sold me. Well, I, I, think, I think this year, more than any other year, Shows that there needs to be a governing body of college football, right? Not just not just a and not just <laughs> conference by conference. There needs yes. to be a bigger governing body that the conferences then report to, but the governing body's got the final say. Right. Basically, holds the voting rights of everyone, right? And so that governing body is able to say, "Hey, this is our plan. Power Five, especially." You know, here's your testing. This is your schedule. This is what we're doing, and go from there. So Damn, literally, word for word, what I was going to say. Okay, yeah, there you go. Hey, hey, that, that was incredible. That, that was easy. Yeah. What he said. Hey, we graduated from the same school. We yeah. did. Okay. Said Ohio State education. Yeah. The, 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 the only thing is, because of the chancellors and the presidents having control of that, they have the final say in whether or not they do play. So they would have to come into agreement that this governing body is going to be the ones that overrule us should we want to or not want to play. Yeah. The thing that having a governing body does is it gives consistency and clarity as to the standard operating procedures as far as recruiting, as far as training periods, yeah. as far as protocols for testing now in this yeah. COVID world. All of that would fall under their jurisdiction as opposed to the NCAA being able to make up their own rules and timelines. And we just saw this in the SEC. The SEC today basically said, bump you, NCAA. There was a guy that was trying to get back in who opted out. The NCAA didn't necessarily clear, clear them. The SEC said, oh, guess what? You're cleared. <laughs> and the kid's going to play. And guess what? What are you going to do about it? Nothing. Is he going to start a quarterback this weekend? No, that's, we're not talking about JT Daniels. Oh. I don't remember the school. It might have been. I, I, I can't give you for certainty what the school was. I just know that that happened. But Yeah, the SEC basically said anybody, whether it was a transfer, whether it was opt-out, yeah. they're all coming back in because this year doesn't count against eligibility. So there's right. no reason right. to keep anyone out. I think it's yeah. something we've been talking about for a while is that this is really bringing – I mean, the NCAA is losing its grip. Yeah. I mean, what, what – um, it only has basketball, which yeah, is also I, why the NCAA or football is, has to come back because they need entity. basketball. Especially yes. these power conferences in football. Why should the SEC listen to the NCAA? Why should the Big Ten? Why should the right. ACC, you know, the Big 12 and Pac-10, 10, 10, 12? I don't even know what the conferences are. <laughs> I don't care. But the big conferences, <laughs> the big teams, yeah. everybody kind of understands that the NCAA shouldn't really govern them. They, they operate under different rules. And I think this pandemic and this situation has really exposed that. All right, well, we could make fun of the NCAA all night, but we've got it. That was beautiful. Of, we're almost yeah. out of time. We've got to make some silver bullet picks. This one is the uh, instant accountability NFL game tonight. It's about to start. Coors Seltzer. 
I've never, I couldn't believe it in my wildest dreams that I'd be drinking a seltzer. It's delicious though, isn't it? It yeah. actually is quite good. The black cherry. How's your mango? I, t- I was. I don't. Told. I'm not drinking mango. I'm we got drinking grapefruit. grapefruit. No, you, yours says no. mango. No, it says grapefruit. Oh, legs. okay, never mind. Yeah, can't grapefruit. See it. You know, it also keeps. Go. We got to talk. You ain't got to read. They've also they're partnered with Change the Course to protect America's rivers. Schlegs, I thought you'd like that. It's whoa, an out- whoa, whoa, whoa! It's an outdoor. It's an outdoor seltzer. Man, it is. Yeah, it's good stuff. So get your hands on that. So basically, what you're saying is you can enjoy this nice cocktail and also help protect America's rivers that provide clean water to wildlife and millions of people. That's, that's amazing. What, that's what I'm saying. I see a Coors Light. So when you take that out good there, for you. Go get the bow out, and you can take some seltzers with you. Okay. Broncos, Jets. Who cares? But pick a winner. Broncos. Broncos. I just learned today that there are no Buckeyes on the Jets. What kind of team is that? It's not a good way to build. Not a good way to but build. But Schlegs got drafted by the Jets. Yeah, but they also have Adam Gase. And you'd think, okay, so they're start, the Broncos are starting a quarterback by the name of Rippon. Oh, no, not the quarterback in the early 90s that won a Super Bowl for the Washington Redskins. It's his nephew, and he's starting. But you don't have all – you don't have Von Miller. You don't have a lot of your dudes on there. And you have Sam Darnold, a first-round pick who should be a legit dude. Oh, by the way, last week he threw three interceptions, two that got taken to the house. Guess what? Denver all day. 27-17. I'm even give you a score. Oh, boy. Who's David wow. Copperfield? I know. It's just Stelzer got me rolling. Support our rivers and our wildlife. Let's go attack and dominate. You're going Denver? Yeah. That's where you're going. Okay, I'm going to go opposite of Schlegs on oh, every boy. pick. Okay? I love it. So it's in the I'm, Meadowlands. I, I, we should I know, be picking no. whether or not somebody gets hurt no, it on is. that turf. I know. It is in the Meadowlands. I'm going Jets. You want to know why? Because it comes down to quarterback. The NFL is a quarterback <laughs> lead. Sam Darnold, you, you couldn't even tell me what, where that guy came from in college who's starting for the Broncos tonight. He probably wasn't even on the practice squad to start the season, Schlegs. This is a quarterback league. You have to be able to throw the football. Both defenses are hurt. Both defenses are terrible. Both offenses are terrible. It comes down to one position, quarterback. Sam Darnold's going to make better plays. I'm going to come with the score. It's going to be 17-14 to 14 Jets. So you and Michael Irvin are the only two that only two that picked the He's Jets. Everybody else, everybody else that is on there that looks really handsome and nice. They all picked the Broncos. That's a different show. We don't worry about that. Okay, quick, <laughs> rapid fire. If you're talking about quarterbacks, Georgia did not look good at that position last week. Auburn's coming to town. I think it's the South's oldest rivalry. It's what they call that one. Auburn at Georgia. Who you got, Zach? I'm, I'm Schlegs, go ahead. Okay, so you have, first off, Georgia's quarterback that they have right now, his first name is Stetson. Yes, probably named after the cowboy hat, which means I want to go with him because I just love that name and actually thought about just renaming one of my children that are already 14 and 8 years old that name. It's too late. That being said, uh, I don't know who's going to be. JT Daniels, they're waiting on a guy, so they don't really know who their quarterback's going to be. Auburn plays fantastic defense. They stop the run. Georgia's going to want to run the ball versus them, but it's also at Georgia. Oh, by the way, I don't even know if they have fans there or not, so who cares? I like Bo Nix better. Again, you said it's about the quarterback. I Bo, said the NFL is, but I think, go ahead. I think Bo Nix is a really good quarterback, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Auburn on the road. Auburn. I, if it's a big game, I do not pick Georgia. Yep. Georgia, like, they, it's a good I, move. We talked about this last week. Georgia's, I mean, they show up. They get their great rank preseason ranking. They got the dogs. They do all this stuff. Everyone's, oh, Georgia might do it this year, and then they play a good team and they lose. So, Auburn. There you I, go. I'm going Georgia. I know they had issues at quarterback. JT Daniels got cleared to play. At least that's what I read on the internet this week, Schlegs. <laughs> so, JT Daniels got cleared to play. I think he comes in. 
starts at quarterback. I think he ignites them. It's a night game in Athens, Georgia. I have only ever been to one SEC school in my entire life. It was University of Georgia. I've been twice. They've got this bar called 90s Bar where they play 90s uh, 90s great music. And I danced and I fell in love with so many Southern women that night that I'm going Georgia. (laughs) You know what? It's funny that you say that because my fake ID ID when I was in high school. Was from Georgia. My name was Anthony Rodriguez, and I was from Athens, Georgia, by the way. It was amazing. Yes, it was. It got me into every bar in Dallas. It was a fantastic ID. I had slick back hair at the time. You know, no guard on the sides. Como esta? As I walked in the door. Big, thick neck. (laughs) Boom. Yep. Anthony Anthony Rodriguez, Athens, Georgia. Here we go. All right. I should have known that. No dogs. I'm going with Auburn. No dogs. (laughs) I had other games here just like last week. Uh, Turns out that we didn't need any space time filler. So Virginia Clemson, that's out. Clemson's probably going to win. North Carolina, Boston College. Pity Pablo. Boston College. That's out. Boston College. I'm going Boston College. College. I'm going Boston College. Who are you going with? North North Carolina. Yeah, listen, Boston College barely beat Texas State. What are we talking about? I don't care. What are we talking about? Jeff Halfley coming in strong. Sure, go Bucks, whatever, man. North Carolina for real. Okay. Come on. TCU at Texas. We're going to make fun of a lot of what happened with those 56 Mm, points and getting away. Yeah. I I don't know, man. The upset special there, too. Texas Tech is not a good football team. It should have beaten Texas last week. I can't believe that they didn't. TCU got beat. Listen, TCU got beat by Iowa State at home. It's going to be Texas. Chris Ash, I actually think, is a really good defensive coordinator. His kids got embarrassed, Mm -hmm. and uh, and offensively, Texas is rolling. They scored sixty points in both of their first two games. I think that they're they're going to win this. Every offense in the Big Twelve is rolling, Schlegs. They did get to play (laughs) Texas Tech's defense last week. So, all right, uh, Texas A&M, Alabama. That that basically counts as the biggest one of the week. Uh, that counts as the biggest game of the week? I don't know. Do you think that's bigger than Georgia Alabama, or Auburn? No. Georgia-Auburn is where game day's at, but this is a big game. I just don't really consider either Auburn or Georgia realistic national you, title threats. Do you think do you think, you think Texas, Texas A&M, A&M is? That? No, but I think Alabama is. Alabama, it's, Alabama it's a test. There's, there's three teams that can win the national title this year. Ohio State, in my estimation. Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. So any game that they play that weekend, I'm going to put it up there above okay. above what Georgia's going to do. So yeah. that's why I said it. Uh I think Bama's going to win. This isn't the week that they'd be tripped up, but I just put it on there so you guys could talk about Alabama's opening week when they magically uh, blew the world away by scoring 39 points against Missouri. We've oh. talked about it before. I think it's it comes down to pedigree with some of these games, and especially in a season like this where everything's kind of different and no, everybody's trying to adjust. I mean, you've got guys like Nick Saban coaching these kids. Like He's, he's going to have them. He's going to have them ready, yeah. for, especially for a big game. These, these guys have been waiting all year to play a big rival. I think Alabama's going to come out, and they're going to whoop Texas Tech, Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher makes $7.5 million a year for the next, I don't know how many years he's been in his contract, <laughs> seven or eight more years, and they're awful. So Alabama all the way. By, Jim, by Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo you're Fisher. We're going to put it to the test. I'm yeah, just going to pick against hey, legs. Jimbo Fisher does not have a marquee win at Texas A&M yet. Last year, yeah. Texas A&M was gun ho about bringing him in. They had, they were for a while, right? Yep. They outbid LSU to bring him into Texas A&M. He did not have a marquee win. If there's a year where the upsets happen, it's this year. And, and even Ohio State, guy, and, and even, hey, and even Ohio State should be an upset yep. alert, right? Yeah. It's you saw it last week. Oklahoma got absolutely demolished, right? By Kansas State, a team that had lost in Week One. I, I forget who they lost. It was a terrible team, right? What I'm saying is this year is different more than any other year. T- 
Texas A&M coming in, Jimbo Fisher is one of those coaches that is kind of like Lane Kiffin, right? We'll try some trick plays. We'll do some different things. Texas A&M comes in. Kellen Mond, quarterback, he's one of those guys that You're you welcome. feel like you've been there for like six years, right? You've been there for a while. Kellen Mond comes in. Texas A&M beats Bama at Bama. Nick Saban's gone. Wow. I don't believe you. He's fired. That's He's fired <laughs> after losing that game. That's a silver bullet special <laughs> right there. That's amazing. That was a big-time pick right there. That's a good way to wrap up the hey, show. Hey, hold on. Are we keeping track of this like here, like throughout you the year? You guys should do that. I don't know. Should. We'll, fi- we'll Keep track it. of picks. <laughs> You're going to be like well, We were just waiting for you to show up. <laughs> this and it, week. And it took till three weeks. Listen, we I've put been, you on I've, a flyer. Hey, listen, this I've guy's been traveling. traveling. Been. This guy has a job, everybody. But I never see him doing his job. He's always in Florida or in some kind of – you know, lavish vacation spot. I wasn't. I was in New York City last week. Okay, sorry. He was nice. in New York City. Or he was in Florida fishing. Or he was in Colorado. I don't know where this guy goes. It's like finding Waldo. But he's back now. I'm here. Amazing. Yeah, I'm at Urban Meyer's podcast. He's going to be <laughs> here. Me. And he's going to be back on Thursday nights. Uh, we will be right back here as October starts uh, heating up and cooling down. Uh, that's Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems helping us out here at Letterman Row. Appreciate them. Coors Light, Byers Auto. Those seltzers are legit. There you go. Cardale Jones, Michael Bennett, Robert Landers, Zach Bourne, and Anthony Schlegel. I am merely Austin Ward. We'll see you right back here next week. Thanks for joining us here at Urban Meyer's Pine House for Letterman Row.